1: welcome to the studio ty richardson uh we're thankful that you took the time to spend with us so welcome to this humana life
3: thank you i'm delighted to be here i'm excited about the topic that we're going to talk about today
1: thanks well let's get started tell us a little bit about ty richardson
3: so um i will start uh probably with some personal information An important role I play in my life is I'm a dad to four kids. I have a wonderful wife at home who Mm. helps uh, manage the home front as well. Um, All four of our kids are adopted. And so um, that's been an important part of our life journey, um, just trying to help uh, support these kids that come from backgrounds of trauma, abuse, and neglect. And um, really, a lot of my life perspective has been changed by interacting with the birth mothers and the courage that they have and the decisions that they have made um, we've got different relationships with you know different birth families, but that journey for us has been a very emotional one, a very challenging one, but also really fulfilling in terms of some of the um, privileges that we have to help um, take care of these kids that otherwise might be in some dif- more difficult situations. What um, are their ages? Our oldest just turned 18. And we just got a uh, college decision out of her um, this past weekend, so we're excited about that.
1: Oh, where's she going?
3: Uh, Samford University over in Birmingham, oh, Alabama. My goodness! So uh, Fantastic. Big milestone event there. Mm-hmm. Um, my second is 12 years old. She's in sixth grade. And then my third is 11 years old. He's also in sixth grade. And then my youngest is eight years old.
1: Are there any um, biological uh, siblings in this group?
3: Nope, they're all um, different birth families and different situations. So that's awesome. Yeah. So that's uh, Ty from a personal perspective. Um, From a work perspective, I um, have spent all of my career in most of my career in HR um, in different parts of HR. Um, Most I've been with Humana for about a year. I'm very excited to have joined as part of our talent team, leading all of our talent efforts, including talent acquisition, talent development, um, talent management, things like performance management, and those sorts of things. Uh, but most recently had been at USAA for about seven years, um, a financial services and insurance company based in San Antonio, Texas. Um, and it's uh, you know, one of the reasons that I, I made the shift to Humana was um, I learned so much at USAA. It's a very member-centric company. Um, They, uh, if people are not familiar with USA, it's a um, company that serves the military. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of that company is really impressive. They um, truly exist. Of course, they need to be financially healthy, but they really exist because they believe in giving back to to people who have put their lives on the line to give us the freedoms that we have in this country. And um, in a purpose-driven company, and a member-centric culture, there's a lot that um, I learned that I'm excited to bring into a company like Humana facing the disruption that we are in the healthcare industry and a lot of the changes that we need to make as a company moving forward.
1: Fantastic! Wasn't that interesting? Of course, you're a military wife, Brittany is, and I have an adopted yeah. child. Um, so, I so many, so much of what you just said resonates with this whole team. That's great. So, you've been here a year with Humana, and so what do you think so far?
3: I am really excited. I actually was just talking with um, Tim Huval, our chief mm-hmm. administrative officer, recently. And he was—he asked me, he said, hey, Ty, it's just been a year. You know, what do you think? And, you know, when I was – anytime you interview with a new company, you always wonder what the culture is really going to be like, mm-hmm. right? You have an outside-in perspective. And um, you make this assessment and you think things are going to be good, but you never really know until you get in the company. Yeah. And um, I've been so impressed. I think my experience as a candidate was very – consistent and authentic with the experience that i have in the company now Um, the people here are incredible every person is just i think shows up at work in very authentic ways Um, the purpose that we have as a company to really impact the health outcomes and the lives of our members um, to really impact their well-being is is really inspirational and we live it out and um, our involvement in the communities with the bold goal You know, those sorts of things. It's not just words on a page, but every, you know, when I interact with people on my own team, when I interact with people in different parts of the business, there's real personal stories that are coming to life in terms of reasons that people are here at Humana. And I think that culture is really inspiring.
1: And that is good to hear, especially from an HR person. You got to see it firsthand. Yeah. So, fantastic. And and I do think, you you
3: know, I I will tell you as an external candidate, when I first got a call about an opportunity at Humana, I wasn't terribly interested because I had this impression that Humana was an old insurance company. (laughs) And, you know, through the interview process, obviously, I was convinced of something different. But I think we have an opportunity to better tell our story. And my team is really focused on that. How do we make sure that we get the right message in the market, that people understand this inspiring purpose that we have around well-being and um, the home opportunity, right? The home in-home health care and things that are really uh, making an impact in people's lives day to day, those are really powerful stories that we need to make sure we're telling broadly. Awesome.
0: Well, and bringing that back to your team, so can you share a few of the things that the talent management team does here at Humana?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I also, just from a um, kind of outside-in perspective, one of the reasons that I was also interested in coming, because my assessment of the talent team was a really strong assessment and that it's a it's a, a team that has operated in healthy ways and really done some innovative things over time and and we're operating from a position of strength and so um, things that my team uh, focus on are things like talent acquisition recruiting and hiring how do we make sure that we're bringing new people to the company new skill sets as the business demands require that um, we also have um, teams focused on development Um, both development, very specifically on our leader development, and so how do we make sure that we're preserving some of that culture that I was just talking Mm -hmm. about, and then advancing the culture, as our company needs to operate in new and different ways. What does leadership look like? How does that evolve and change, and how do we define that and make sure that we're providing the right training, the right experiences, the right development opportunities for people to grow into that? Um, another part of my team focuses on that development aspect at a at kind of a scalable level, so all associates. Um, you know, there's many learning teams across the company and so our enterprise team does a lot of coordination in our learning, learning consortium and making sure that we try to drive con- some consistency out in terms of just the processes and how people are, um, how we're enabling development in every person that's here because that career growth and development is such an important part of really the purpose of our company and why we exist. And then the last area that I would spotlight on my team, there's a lot of processes and kind of enterprise systems that have to exist for a a large company to operate well and be aligned and consistent in our priorities and how we execute things. And so Mm -hmm. things like um, our performance management system and how frequently do we have performance reviews Mm -hmm. and as the business evolves and changes and we become more of an agile company, you know, the performance system that we have today probably isn't fit for purpose for how we need to operate in the future. We need a performance system where conversations are happening more continuously and those feedback loops are more consistent rather than a, you know, episodic, set your goals yeah. at the beginning of the year, have a mid-year conversation then an end-of-year conversation. I mean, that's, that's, you know, it's been, it's served its purpose. It's been good, but we need mm-hmm. to evolve and adapt that. So I've got members of my team that are really kind of visioning forward to what does that future need to look like and how do we bring that to life operationally? That's good. It's good.
0: Sounds kind of like the healthcare system. we don't need something episodic. we need something more fluid and yeah. No. Mm-hmm.
1: Now you recently joined the WNRG leadership as a leader for the male Ally initiative. Can you share more about that? Did you raise your hand for the role?
3: <laughs> well, I don't know if I proactively raised my hand, but the instant that I heard there was an opportunity, I was really excited and enthusiastic good. about getting involved. Um I so, you know, I was really reflecting on um, walking into this conversation with you all just, you know, what were the reasons that I wanted to get involved? Because I was assuming that was might be a question that you guys would ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, at the end of the day, it really boils down to something really personal inside of me, just from a values and a, and a life view perspective. You know, I believe that much of what I've been given in life is is not through my own doing. right? There's there's privileges, there's blessings that I've been given that I have an accountability to make sure that I'm advocating and sharing that with other people. Um, and certainly I believe in hard work and being really responsible with what I've been given and, and being diligent and, and, and making sure that I'm doing my very best in the circumstances. But I recognize, and in large part through what I talked about earlier about my, my adoption story and the exposure to birth moms, I mean, I've, I love these women who are in really tough life situations. Mm -hmm. Some of them are still homeless, living out of their car. Um, They can't hold consistent jobs. The environment in which they're operating is just a very different world than what I grew up in. And, um, And recognizing the privilege and the benefits that I have and being really passionate about making sure that I'm playing an active role in trying to help people who maybe haven't had the same privilege or benefits that I have had is something that I really care about. And, and so when you get into the issues um, from a women's perspective in the business world, you know, I think that it, that plays into, hey, we want to have a, an organization that really is fair and equitable in all ways, that every single person, no matter their race, their gender, what background they come from, what experiences they have, that everybody has that equal opportunity to really excel. And um, I think that's a large part of the platform of what NR- WNRG is trying to go after.
2: Yeah. I, and I think, you know, a lot of people can say those words, but there's an authenticity to what you're saying mm-hmm. from you, and then that you've taken action. So you joining the WNRG leadership team and what you've already brought in, I mean, how many months has it been? A month? Yeah, I think I mean, <laughs> it's like, about a month. Yeah. You came in and just hit the ground running. And to me, I was like, oh, this guy's serious. Because there's a lot of men and women who who do, you know, sometimes I think they have good intention, but it's hard to actually, like, make the rubber hit the road, yeah. you know. And so I'm really excited because you can tell that you are passionate about this.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm I'm really excited about the team that's in place and, and your leadership as one of our presidents and um, there's, you know, a lot of what we do in this space is nobody's full-time job it's it's volunteer efforts and it's people who are engaged because they're passionate about it and um, again you know the privilege that I have about having a role in HR that can be connected to some of the broader resources that we have in the company to help advance some of the issues that we need to advance Um, yeah I'm excited about being plugged in and part of the team.
2: Did, did USAA have, like, business resource groups or network resource groups? They did. Yeah. yeah.
3: And they had been operating for uh, a number of years and were, you know, pretty mature in what they were doing.
2: Yeah. So any anything that stuck sticks out to you is something that was a real success in what they were doing?
3: You know, um, something that the company, it wasn't a particular resource group, but it was kind of the collective power of all the resource groups together. We actually had an annual inclusion and diversity conference that the company um, participated in, and um, it was just really powerful in terms of the combination of both the visibility that brought to our internal associates there, but also the the speakers from an outside-in perspective, the exposure Mm -hmm. that we had to some of the best practices in the market. Um, was was phenomenal and, and part of what drove that is because our chair of the board at the at my previous company was very passionate about the inclusion and diversity issues so he personally actually came to that conference he hosted the conference and to have your the chair of your board engaged and, and something like that obviously demonstrates the level of support that you had um, and so I think that senior leadership and sponsorship is is really critical to making sure that our efforts continue to, to grow and are, are successful
2: Absolutely. Um, So tell us about this Ally program. Um, You know, I I think we were going to ask something along the lines of, you know, what advice do you have for males in the company that are looking to be more supportive of women in the workplace? But with that, what does your um, team, you know, what's the vision for what you'll be doing over the next few years?
3: Yeah, so we, um, we just spent some time developing our charter. And so this is very new. Um, we had a small group of people who were passionate about the male ally effort that got together and really spent some good time challenging each other and our thinking. But what we've decided is specifically for this first year in 2020, we really want to focus on building the current momentum of those who are already allies. Um, in some of the research and the work that we've done, I think we've found a model that's a really interesting model around allyship and advocacy that really um, assesses people to say, hey, there's a spectrum of, of, of um, emotion or, or act activity that you're on. And it's, you know, people are, could be apathetic, right? They just aren't aware and they're not engaged in an issue. Or the kind of the next stage of that process is that they're aware, right? They may have knowledge of some of the issues, but there's nothing that's personally happened inside of them to activate them to get engaged and, and make any ch- difference or any, any change. The third step in that model is that somebody who is active, that maybe they're engaged in some stuff, but they're not really yet over to that advocacy level, and that top, that's the top one is kind of an advocacy level. And so we want to really focus first on, um, and I want to really represent, you know, obviously WNRG is focused on women's issues, but if we only have women involved, um, that's not back to that fair and equitable balance thing that I was talking about earlier. And so I really have some passion about making sure that we are equipping males equipping men to stand up and understand the issues first, um, right? And so that's why we want to leverage the momentum of those who are already at that level of either activity or advocacy and make sure that we're building a strong base of, of um, candor and openness to be able to talk about some of those issues.
1: So is your team all male?
3: It's not. Um, we were really purposeful about trying mm-hmm. to have the balance. And so um, – and, and I will put a plug out, um, when you say the team, this was a very small handful of three or four people that got together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as we've clarified our charter, we actually have some opportunities to get a few more people involved. And we are looking for um, a couple of people to come in, into that leadership role and be a part of our leadership um, circle around the advocacy efforts. And we'd like both males and females to, to raise their hands for that. And then we also would have, uh, we'd love to have some people join as part of kind of a project management support because we've got several ideas for initiatives that we want to drive that we just need some of that support in in organizing and and working out.
0: Also, could you kind of give us a definition of what male advocacy is and what a male ally is for those of our listeners that maybe aren't so familiar with what what we mean when we say that?
3: Yeah. So, um, you know, I think a male ally is somebody who is aware of the issues and in this case you know women's issues in the workplace aware of the issues and i um, i'm not going to get this quote right but i recently heard somebody say you can't call yourself an ally other people have to call you an ally well that's good because that ally definition really means that you are active but it's not you you are you are in situations where you see issues of inequity happening and you speak up and you're at you're in the moment advocating and championing even if women aren't in the room in this case, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in a group of men and you're hearing those issues and then you're speaking up and you're standing up for the right um, um, levels of equity and, and equality and, and conversations and consideration for job opportunities and pay equity and things like that, you know, that's really what allyship is, is when you're, you're passionate enough about it that you're kind of living it out on, its, on um, kind of nat- in natural ways.
0: And could you give us an example of like a situation that could happen in the workplace? where a male ally would step in?
3: Yeah, so I think um, you know, the easiest example for me, just because I live in this world every day, is you know, as a talent team, we are frequently in conversations with leaders about career opportunities mm-hmm. and um, interviewing for jobs and making sure that when um, you're in that process of interviewing or you're in that process of considering who is gonna take, step up and take that next job, um, frequently, you could be in a position, particularly when you look at kind of the demographics of our company, when you're, you know, we, we have good representation across the board. At our senior levels, we need to keep pushing, right? That representation at senior levels. And so when those rare opportunities come for those senior leader openings, um, you know, an example is when you're in the moment with a group of people in the room having the debate about, hey, we've got two or three candidates that we're considering, what are the pros and cons? An ally is going to be in that conversation making sure that we are really um, almost doing kind of a, a blind review of qualifications and, and really making sure that people aren't making assumptions. Um, you know, I, I've seen situations where people have made assumptions about life circumstances because a female, mm-hmm. you know, may have been pregnant. And, you know, you got to guard against making assumptions about what that woman wants her career to look like because she's pregnant. And and so just being real in those moments to mm-hmm. say, hey, let's not make any assumptions here. Let's make sure that we're getting in the conversation and creating equal opportunity for those career opportunities is, is one example, um, probably, of many.
0: Perfect.
1: Because talent is talent, right? So I yeah. can see where you're, seeing, where you're coming with that.
3: Yeah. You know, you also asked me a question a moment ago, Tara, about um, – what men could do to advocate and I think that's something that um, I'd love to take head on as part of this effort because in today's world with social media in today's world with the um, kind of publicity around the hashtag me Too movement right there's a real appropriate sensitivity to some of the inequities but it also sometimes I think could create um, fear in some men right I've, I've had conversations with men who say hey I'm not even gonna to touch that topic because I might say the wrong thing, and then I could get fired. Um, and there's examples, right? And, and, and some appropriate examples where men have been fired for inappropriate <laughs> right, comments or, or behavior, but there's also circumstances where you know, men are just fearful and uncertain about how to step in and have candid conversations around some of these things. And so I think part of what an ally needs to do is to be open to stepping into those tough conversations. And having the courage to figure out how to create an environment in a room to to lean into some of the topics in constructive ways.
2: So we have an idea for that. So at at one point, I mean, wouldn't it be cool to have like a panel where it was a safe place for leaders to like look in and listen and have a conversation, a very candid conversation about you know what how to have that type of conversation or you know really what does that mean or what are the topics that that people want to hear about or that male leaders maybe or female leaders want to shy from because they're just they don't know they don't know what's appropriate what's not yeah. i just think it'd be so neat to be able to kind of like facilitate that conversation in a safe place that people could listen to but we'll we'll get there
3: i think that's a great yeah. idea because i and, and your point about being comfortable saying i don't know like so many people feel like you. I have to know the answer to step into a conversation like that, and you don't. It's okay to approach a conversation and say, "Hey, I know I need to be sensitive to this, but I don't. I don't know how. Right. I don't know how to engage in a conversation with a woman about well, what do you? What is your experience mm-hmm. in your in your work life, and and what are the challenges that you face? I mean, those are those can be really tough conversations to have.
2: Well, and. You know, it we're it's at that point in time where we just need to normalize the conversations. And to your point, like you know, rather than kind of look the other way and be, you know not not be a part of it, but not be not you know what I mean. Like we have to take some action on this. It's, it's it, the inaction is a problem in itself. Yes, the inability to have the conversations becomes just as bad as participating. Yeah, it, does that make sense? I you know, so I think we just have to get to a point where we're all. Just having these authentic, transparent um, topics, conversations and just working through it. Yeah. It's time to work through it. Yeah.
3: Well, and your be active point would be my second ask, right? So be open, be active. We need men to come to the W energy events, right? We need mm-hmm. men to show up and, and take opportunity to learn, whether it's through the podcasts or through the events and and really be active in learning about what the issues are and, and show up and engage in the conversations. Um, and then the third action that I would say is just get involved. Right. I mean, I mentioned earlier, we've got some opportunities. I hope there are some men that will you know, come out of the woodwork that say, hey, I want to be a part of this. Um, and there's a lot a lot of ways for people to be involved.
2: Well, and, and I guess the other thing, too, is, you know, what is the purpose of the women's energy? I think we could do a better job of. Maybe communicating that to all populations, you know, and a lot of it is, you know, personal growth and advancement in the workplace. Like our hope is to really see women move, um, particularly management level, you know, becomes difficult or that director level, you know, starting to break through that, that glass ceiling and just more opportunities. So I think we can do a better job as WNRG of, of inclusion with men. So that's where I'm really hoping this partnership is going to be so successful because um, it's, it's, it's more than one-sided you know we have a whole uh, every every male we know has a mother uh you know at one point and has women on their team and you know friends and and significant others so it it really does impact everyone it's not just women's issues
3: yeah And, and this is probably stepping out of my lane of the male ally topic but as you talk about um those advancement issues you know one of the things that my team does is um publish a lot of information around career cultivation and um how to make sure that you're preparing yourself for your interview skills, how to advance your career, how to network in the right ways. And those are skills that we need to make sure that people are really um, taking the time to teach themselves. Right. And there's a lot of great resources out there for that.
0: And I want to kind of give a plug right here that you do not need to be a people leader to still be an ally and an advocate being an active associate with your team, with other females and help lifting them up or helping them develop their skills or growth or helping them find opportunities for for that advancement piece. So you don't need to be a people leader to still be an ally and, and to still participate in, in all of these things.
3: That's exactly right. And I would even go so far as to say, if you're not a people leader today, you are the leader of the future, right? And so demonstrating those behaviors now is already setting you up for success of of even greater influence over time.
1: One of the first uh, pieces that you said you were going to um, incorporate with the male ally is having conversations with the folks that are already members, the men that are already members. And, And I think that's good because as hard as we have tried to bring them and be members of WNRG, once we have them, what do they do now? And that's been that piece that has been missing. So by you saying that statement, I think it's, it's gonna move the needle a little bit, just get them more involved. Yeah, mm-hmm. well,
3: and there will be some great opportunities even starting in early 2020. So mm-hmm. um, one thing I would highlight is um, our IT organization has actually done a really nice job of um, carrying forward, some of you may have heard of this MARC Initiative, M-A-R-C, C. Men Advocating for Real Change. And I love that acronym. I think Mm -hmm. that's a great acronym. Um, But there's an outside organization that's really well known in the industry around supporting um, issues like this. It's a company called Catalyst. And they Mm -hmm. have kind of they run this program of MARC and give us the tools and the process and equipment to do it. And the IT team has been um, practicing this MARC program, I I believe, for 18 to 24 months. I think they've um, been practicing it for some time. And. Uh, So we're going to expand that in 2020 and and really excited about an opportunity that's going to come to Louisville. We're actually partnering, Humana's partnering with Catalyst to bring an event to town that Humana will participate in. We'll have seats in the event, but we're inviting other companies to also join in the event. It's about a day and a half workshop, um, very focused on male advocacy and uh, equipping those companies and those teams to really continue to leverage that MARC program and scale it even more broadly. And so we're gonna um, leverage the success of what our IT team has done and, and really invite several key leaders from Humana into this experience in January, and then hopefully leave that event coming back with um, scaling that Mark program a little bit broader beyond
1: IT. And by right. you bringing in community partners, not just keeping it in our walls, you know, it sounds like you're gonna invite others' um, companies. Yeah. So, and I think that's good because it's a it's a domino effect. You know, spread the word. Yeah,
2: and then, I mean, I think the other huge piece with Catalyst is Bruce Broussard signing that pledge recently. That's right. Um, that was huge. Yeah, you know, and and I know that our our leaders are all you know um, advocates for all that the network resource groups promote and support. I don't question that for a second. But for Bruce to actually sign that pledge, I thought was really a huge, huge step for the women's NRG. So we're really excited to see how um, 2020 goes. Yeah,
1: yeah,
3: Yeah. I'm excited about his leadership. Definitely. And
1: that's it for this episode, but the conversation isn't over. Make sure to catch part two next week.
2: You can share with us on buzz at go forward slash THL and don't forget to subscribe by texting THL to
0: 239355. We want to thank you for spending time with us this week. We can use our guiding behaviors and speak up with candor to share our Humana stories through this podcast. Let's keep the conversation going together about this Humana life.
1: Until next time, be intentional,
0: stay curious, and inspire others.